On today's Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we're recapping UFC San Diego. San Diego. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. We're also recapping Bellator 284 and week two of the PFL playoffs. And there's a Cold War beginning with Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 230 is what we're here to get through today. It is a recap edition once again. Three major promotions, three kick-ass cards, and we're here to give you that good good on this Monday morning. Dominic Salee, we had a triumphant weekend, a return to, I don't know, what, what's the word here? Like we, we were back in each other's lives once yeah, again. We were reunited. Yep, for the first time since March. So it had been a while. How are you feeling now that we've had this uh, triumphant return and you know what? What is going on today? What's going on this week that has you excited? Oh, uh, it was it was a great weekend, no, full of MMA action. Friday and all day, literally Saturday, uh, filled with great laughs, great memories, friendship. You know, you you just can't complain about the weekend that we had. It was great to see you back in the flesh, no, for the first time in a while. Hope to see you many more times in the future, of course. But uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be a great episode today first and foremost it's going to be a great week we're really working through a lot of things right now that we're excited to roll out and just continue to evolve our content and our show so we're super excited to share that when the time comes um and yeah, that's the most exciting thing definitely for me this week um outside of hopefully i'm going to go to the golf course a few times and continue to try and fix my swing but we all know how that works so it's going to be a great week but it all starts with the weekend recap but noah how was your weekend as you get going into this middle of august week Mm -hmm. it was good obviously just great to to see you see all of our buddies catch up uh me dom and his girlfriend watched the fights shout out to her yes Uh, she she was asking for a shout out on the podcast she does watch every episode and provides feedback so what a a gal right yes but um yeah it's good to be here Honestly, it's been kind of a weird morning. Like I just, I feel like, I feel like I have a lot of brain fog this morning. <laughs> yeah, which is maybe not the the way to kind of kickstart a podcast. But um, we're here. We're gonna get through it. Yes, and uh, it all starts with UFC San Diego. San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. Anyways, so Marlon Vera, in your main event, knocks out cold Mm. Mm, mm. Dominic Cruz, 2 minutes, 17 seconds into round four. Dominic, going into the fight, we thought a lot of people overlooking Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Not to take anything away from Marlon Vera. We thought he should be the favorite. But Dominic Cruz is the best fighter to ever fight in the UFC at 135 pounds, former champion, and he was still fighting at such a high caliber that 
we thought it was kind of blasphemous yeah. to, you know, sort of over to to write him off yeah. when, when he had not shown to be slipping in, in our best estimation. So for Marlon Barra, very big test here. The mm-hmm. guy who's been on a roll, been on an absolute great winning streak. He's building some hype for himself. He's getting his name out there. Now he runs into the best to ever do within this division. He gets a huge knockout win, but Dominic, it didn't come easy. Yep. So my question for you is, what did we learn about these two fighters in this fight, Marlon Vera and Dominic Cruz? Man, well, first and foremost, we learned that, uh, you know, as Ariel put on Twitter, that's all the great meme going around. Marlon Vera has that dog in him, and that he did. I mean, this is a fight that he was down. He was down arguably two to one. I would think that's pretty clear, two to one. Um, Dominic Cruz looked great in this fight. He really kind of did what we kind of broke down on the preview episode. Um, He was uh, very much more... Uh, output version of him though i mean he was going forward going for the kill it looked like in front of his home crowd he was there to put on a show and that he was doing but let's not forget that he was dropped three different times in this fight before the knockout even happened one per round but he was able to bounce back and win rounds one and two lost round three it was just such a high quality mma fight is what it was and marlon vera does what marlon vera does he's not gonna all you with his shots or the type of strikes that he throws he's not going to overwhelm his opponents with volume but when he lands it is very significant and leaves a lasting impact on his opponent uh, throughout the remainder of the fight so much so that in that fourth round man two minutes in he times it right when dominic cruz leans left he throws the left high kick shatters dominic's nose upon impact and finished him with strikes on the ground put him to sleep it was quite the performance that Marlon Vera had last night, and he adds to his win streak now four in a row against top-notch guys, mind you, two back-to-back main events. The guy's coming into his all right now. He's entering his prime and getting the respect that he deserves. But let us not forget, Noah, that Dominic Cruz still deserves all the respect in the world. If you're still coming at him this week saying that he's not an elite fighter, you need to just, I don't know take a week or two off from watching fights and come back because he's clearly still amongst that echelon in this killer stack division of the 135 pound bantamweights. But the night belongs to Marlon Vera. Yeah. I think I learned a lot about both these guys, but yet at the same time, I feel like this fight went almost exactly how I thought it was going to Marlon Vera started out slow. Yep. That's just the way yeah, he drops Dominic Cruz in the first round, but he only he landed less than 10 significant strikes in the round. Yeah. The story really was Dominic Cruz looked for rounds one and two to be on another level. Like he looked like the best version of himself I've seen. He was aggressive. The boxing was on point. He was defensively sound. Mm-hmm. The problem is. Anytime he got landed on clean, like real clean, he dropped him. It hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. Marlon Vera carrying a lot more power than I think even I thought he had coming in here. And it just that was the difference is that for, for Dominic Cruz to get through this fight and win it the way because he landed on Marlon clean a lot. Yeah. But his power just didn't hurt Marlon Vera nearly what Marlon was able to do to him. Right. 
So really, Dominic Cruz had to fight almost a perfect fight in order to get through it without this kind of finish happening. Mm-hmm. He gets caught with a nasty, nasty head kick that he leaned into. It's it's brutal. And, you know, what's crazy, Dominic, is you're right that, you know, all the respect in the world to Dominic Cruz, he was winning this fight. He did look like the best version of himself, yet... That's not what anybody's going to be talking about coming out of this. Yep. Because and it has to be acknowledged. This was a brutal knockout. I mean, face plant, out, yeah. cold, yeah. shattered nose. I mean, the whole thing. This is a knockout of the year type stuff. Yeah. Dominic Cruz is what, 37? 36, 37, yeah. Yeah. What does the future hold for Dominic Cruz right mm. now, Dom? Because this is a setback, but we still think he's an elite fighter. But does it matter if you get knocked out like that? Can you really come back and be a better version of what we saw here? Yeah, that's a great question because we've seen people that do bounce back and can get back to their winning ways. We've seen people that never get a win again after knockouts like this. That's the way of the road uh, in the UFC. And when you're in this division it's not going to be the easiest thing to bounce back if you're Dominic Cruz. Obviously, take some time off being at that older age, taking a hard shot like that. And he's not like he hasn't been taking damage in the previous fights that he's won. I mean, he got knocked down against Pedro Munoz. The fight with Casey Kenny was a dog-eat-dog type fight, tit for tat. So he's been taking damage, but he has been staying, obviously, more active than usual because of all the injuries that he's had. So let's see some time off, maybe back early 2023. I still think he can hang with those top dogs, but maybe not necessarily put him in with like a top five. I mean, this division's so deep right now, we could put him against so many guys in that back half. Um, so I think we can see Dominic Cruz bounce back because of his just fight style is so unique. And there aren't anyone else. There is not anyone else like Dominic Cruz in the UFC in this 135 pound division. Um, but should he lose again? Maybe that question becomes even more prominent because this could be that starting point. But I still believe there's a gas left in that tank for Dominic Cruz. I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, in terms of his skill level, in terms of his talent, there's a lot left in the tank. I mean, there's championship belts left to win. I mean, I I think that the the skill that he showed here for for the first two rounds and even the third round, even though he didn't win that round, it's – very high level. I mean, yeah. He was even wrestling a little bit. Yeah. Like going for takedowns. I know Marlon got really good at stuffing them later, but I mean, they were great attempts, like really yeah. fast. And Marlon just had excellent takedown defense. It's just, um, you know, it's now that he's been knocked out cold like that, you kind of look back at the last few fights, like the Munoz fight where he was getting hurt, you know. And yes, he's still winning due to his skill, but you, you just. For Dominic Cruz, again, I told you guys, I'm not going to tell someone when it's time, right? I'd love to see Dominic Cruz back in there if he wants to be. Yeah. I'd, lo- and I'd love to see him go make another attempt for a championship belt again if he wants to, which is such a weird place to have someone in. Typically, we talk about fighters that are on these five, six fight losing streaks, and then mm-hmm. we're like, well... If they want to fight again, that's fine, but we kind of want them to retire just to, you know, not take the damage. With Dominic Cruz, he's had to battle back from so much already. His body has failed him. Yeah. 
his skill, his mind has been what has kept him, his work ethic, that's what's kept him at such an elite level. His body continuously fails him. And I worry, Dom, that his body is going to fail him once more and that he just can't take the shot Yeah, that he used to just be able to avoid. He's a right. little bit slower, just a little bit, just enough to where yeah. the shots he used to be able to avoid, he now gets hit with. Right. And unfortunately, I don't think the chin is quite good enough to really withstand too many bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only going to get worse, obviously. So if he wants to, great. He could win a lot of fights. I mean, I still think there's even a chance he could fight for a title at some point. Yeah. But it's it's for him, What is it worth the risk of getting in there with an absolute killer in a couple fights and getting knocked out again? You know, right. That's, that's something he'll have to decide. Absolutely, absolutely. So for Marlon Barra, mm-hmm. a little bit more of a positive spin here. Uh, Marlon Barra is having just a... A wonderful winning streak going on here. I mean, highlight highlight after highlight. The Frankie yeah. Edgar knockout in MSG, the the pummeling performance he put on Rob Font in his first main event. Now his second main event in San Diego, and he goes in there and knocks out Dominic Cruz. Yeah, but Dominic, the craziest part about it is, as much of a highlight reel as this was, does it still feel like he's one fight away from a title? And he was ranked number five coming in here, by the way. Yeah, it definitely does, and that's no slight to him. That is just how amazing this division is right now. It has been on fire for quite some time, and it is really just peaking uh, at the right time if you're an MMA fan. So he's one more win away, but if he can get against—I mean, against any of these guys ahead of him, Sanhagen, Aldo, Dillashaw, Jan, uh, Sterling—and we know a lot of them are booked, so he's gonna—he's kind of in a weird spot anyway. He's gonna have to kind of wait and see how some of this top-heavy stuff plays out. Uh, maybe like he has a close eye on the Sanhagen Song Yudong fight coming up next month, potentially. So uh, we'll see what happens, but one more win, and I think you, you almost have to put him in there. The win streak that he's on, um, just the rise that he's on, I think he does have a bit of star potential, you know what I mean? He really does. We You had a great point last night that I'll let you mention, um, but I, I think special things can happen for Marlon Chito Avera, and, and if he can rise all the way to becoming a champion that's quite the story i mean you look at it this was his 20th ufc fight he's 14 and 6 now in the company uh but before this win streak he was 10 and 6 it's almost charles Oliveira-esque, where he was he would win one lose one win two lose two i mean just that type of career slept on you didn't really talk about him much yeah you knew it would be in fun fights but he just never got to that level but now he is coming into it, and you see it fight by fight, and it's really been something special to see during the course of even this show that we've done. So one more win, and Cheeto is knocking on the door of a title and arguably the most stacked division in the entire mixed martial arts world. I know how stacked this division is, but Dominic, you I think you are overlooking greatly his chances for a title shot next. I mean, mm. I, think, I think that Marlon Vera... With that performance Saturday night, with the knockout, you include the last couple performances, Rob Font, the Frank Yeager, he's putting on highlight reels right now. Yeah. That means something. Yeah. He's building a name, what you were alluding to that I said last night. I think Marlon Barra is the, is, is the kind of guy we have right now who is capable of that sort of Jorge Masvidal, you know, shoot him in the stardom kind yeah. of run where... You know, Mosby Dahl was a bit of a, a journeyman is what they always called him. But yeah. 
you know, he's a very good fighter, top yeah. 10, top 15 type fighter, but never was looked at as like, a, you know, a real threat for a title or mm-hmm. anything like that. And then he just, something switched, the Darren Till knockout, the Ben Asker knockout, the Nate Diaz fight in MSG. Yep. And then he's fighting for a belt in Abu Dhabi against uh, Kamar Usman. So, um I think Marlon Vera is very capable of that. And now the only thing is, is he's kind of in his Masvidal run right now where he is taking heads. Yeah. But I do see a lot more support for him. I mean, the the cheers for him were audible in, mm-hmm. in that arena. And this was Dominic Cruz's home. Yeah. Yeah. So people definitely love Cheeto. He's got the look, the tattoos, the way he dresses, the way he acts. He's very authentically a dog. Yeah. Yes. But the reason why I think you might be overlooking his chances, and I think I think the reason you're overlooking it is because there's so many matchups that are mm. yet to be had yeah. that are currently made in this division. October's the title fight in Abu Dhabi. Yep. Aljamain Sterling taking on TJ Dillashaw. No matter who wins that, I don't believe there will be an immediate rematch or anything. Yeah. The other big matchup on that card... Peter Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Yep. You know, if Sean O'Malley wins, did the UFC say we gotta we gotta you know cash in while the iron's hot kind yep. of thing? Um, then you have like you said, Corey Sandhagen, Song Yudong. That one feels more like the the winner of that fight definitely feels like someone who needs one more. Yeah. But if Song Yudong goes in there and knocks him out real like knocks out Corey Sandhagen in like under a minute. All of a sudden, you may not have to wait. You know, the performances matter in these fights. Yeah. But let's just put it like this: this was the first domino of this bantamweight Grand Prix, if you want to call it that, that the yes. UFC has. Yeah. Marlon Vera set the tone. He made yes. a statement. The pressure is on these other eight guys. Yeah. To go in there and put on a show. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, I mean, it, you said all those great matchups, and it starts this week. Jose Aldo, Marab, Lee. Those are the oh, other. I for, the, sorry, I forgot about that, those well, no, two. No, that's the last two pieces of that puzzle. And you worded it perfectly. Chills down my spine. Anal goosebumps. Marlon Vera did set the tone. And now he gets to sit back and let it all play out and see what happens. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry to Aldo and Marab. I, I didn't mean to overlook them because... Aldo feels almost like the one that he just needs a win and he yeah. can maybe get a title fight. And who would have thought back at UFC 251 when he got kind of pummeled by Peter Jan in the later rounds of their fight, you know, a title fight he had, he was coming into off a loss, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd ever see him back in that kind of position? I mean, it, that's why this division feels more exciting. Whether it's more stacked, it feels more exciting than lightweight right now. It's just the, the reality. Yep, I agree. More on this card to come, of course. I mean, don't get us wrong. We got to talk about that co-main event and everything else. But we're going to move over to Bellator 284 in the main event. Two guys that love to sub you, and they ended up having a kickboxing bout, just like we expected. Yeah. Gochi Yamauchi. The original headline I had on here was Yama Uchi. (laughs) (laughs) That uppercut was Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> but um, Gochi Yamauchi, all 21 submissions of him, comes in here and knocks out. Mm. For the first time in his career, Neiman Gracie hits the canvas out. Brutal. Uppercut from hell. 
Yeah. Yamauchi's biggest win of his career. Another major setback against high-level competition for Gracie. This was a great fight, I thought. I I don't know if great's the right word. It was a very good fight. Yeah. It was yeah. a main event that going into it, like in the lead-up, when I, when I was looking at Bellator's catalog that they had announced for the fall, I was like, man, why did they? I'm like, they couldn't get a better main event. But then once the fight took place, two natural grapplers, two guys that love to submit you on the ground, and end up having a pretty fun, if sloppy, stand-up fight. What would you think? Yeah, it was similar vibes to Neiman Gracie and Logan Storley at the beginning of the year, which was much of yeah. the same. Yes. Um, and Logan Storley in attendance got to watch this fight, which I thought was cool. Uh, but this was a fun fight. It really was. And it played out how we expected when you're just so damn good down there. Two guys, they're just going to cancel each other out because they don't want to get in each other's wheel zone. So they stayed on the feet. It was tit for tat, but Gochi really got the better of the exchanges, even in round one. But round two, didn't he, didn't he drop uh, Gracie in round one? I believe or, he did, or definitely wobbled him for sure. Him, he, yeah. He did, yeah, he just looked good throughout the whole fight. Really calm and composed. I mean, the guy's pretty incredible. Fifteen or fourteen and four in Bellator. I think he's fifteen and four now. I mean, that's just super slept on. Granted, the competition not quite up to par, but now gets a top five win, and he's right in there. He's on a win streak. Three finishes in a row. Two of them in the first round, and then this one over Gracie in the second. And boy, did he just bait this in like a. A guy fishing on the pond with his bait and the bobber in the water. Gochi put his hands down. Pretty savage, really. He's like, come on. Come on. Neiman was kind of peppering him, jab, jab. And then right when he got him to come in and commit one more time, right uppercut, bada bing, bada boom. His head went this way and his body went that way. It was disgusting. Uh, Really two phenomenal knockouts, back-to-back cards, Bellator and UFC, main event-wise. So, uh, it was amazing and a statement made for Gochi Yamauchi because, again, with that record, not quite the recognition, he's arrived and he's here now. you got to love it. Yeah, Yamauchi has been one of those guys that Bellator, the Bellator faithful or people that are working in Bellator or whatever have been saying you need to watch out for this guy. He has the, he already has the record locked up for all-time Bellator submission wins. Yeah. Um, but... They've been saying, no, this guy is a higher level fighter than the people he's fighting, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he should be much higher. And I was I was skeptical. I really was. Because um, I looked at this fight in particular, and I and I kind of, you know, Neiman Gracie, yes, he, he, he has lost most of his fights to the high level competition, the higher yeah. ranks of Bellator. But... You know, I had seen he was capable of being in one of those fights where it's a two grapplers and they start striking. And yeah. Logan Storley, just like you said. So I thought, well, you know, maybe Gracie being more comfortable in that sort of fight will get the better of Yamauchi. Yeah. Just wasn't the case. Yeah. Yamauchi just looked to be a much better striker. And for a guy who it, this was only his third KOTKO win of his career, and he does it cold to a guy who had never been knocked out before, yeah, uh, that's very impressive. That's quite a notch on the belt. Um, I think he's due for a pretty big fight next. They had Storley there for a reason. Yeah, you got to think that they want. You know, there's a lot going on in this division, obviously, because Storley is technically the interim champion. Yeah, but for now, it looks like he's going to be the reigning defending interim champion until we get stuff figured out uh, with our um, full champion. So 
I don't know what could I don't know what fight exactly I would give Yamauchi next, but with the way Bellator does their matchmaking, it wouldn't surprise me if his next fight is a win and you get a title shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you could see that. And that and this was crazy because he came in here unranked. So that's how it is in Bellator, man. Don't put <laughs> these unranked guys against top fives. Yeah. We saw it again that we'll talk about yeah. later too. So yeah, and I guess for Neiman Gracie, this is this is a pretty bad. I mean, it's a bad setback. I think. Um, yeah. Once again, it's just another time he can't cut it with the best he just he he he's good i mean he's a gracie right i mean yeah. i know that's kind of an overplayed thing nowadays but he's he's good great submissions he's capable on the feet mm-hmm. big guy for his division he is big yeah but he just doesn't seem to be able to really get it done with the, a lot of these guys of the upper echelon right you know yeah um, I don't know what would be next for him, but I, if I were him, I'd probably take some time off and really try to retool, find some ways, find some ways to use your size better. I think that's something he could definitely do better. I don't think he tends to use his size as well. Yeah. When you're such a jiu-jitsu specialist, you're so dependent on your finesse a lot of times. And, and you know, for him, he has a lot of strength and size mm-hmm. and I think he could find ways to use that a little better in his future matchups. Couldn't have said it better. More on Bellator to come. Yes. Let's move on into week two of the PFL playoffs, a.k.a. PFL 8. I just, it kind of, for some reason, it's like a pet peeve of mine that every season we're like restarting the numbers. I know. PFL. Yeah. Um, so this one, this this card out of Cardiff, Wales, had a little bit of adversity getting to the, <laughs> getting to the start line. Yeah. Um, two of our, our two of our fighters that were supposed to be in our playoffs, Dennis Goltsov, the number one seed at heavyweight, then Magomed Umalatov, who was actually filling in already for um, I forget who he was filling in for, but he was a he was a fill in himself. Yeah, in in the welterweight playoffs, um, both those guys were not able to secure a visa. So therefore, they were not able to be in attendance for at Cardiff, Wales. Not able to fight. Yeah, we had to have two last-second replacements step up in Delano Taylor and Juan Adams. A big shit show going in, and <laughs> from some of the stuff I've seen online, it may appear that this is a bit of the PFL's fault. Now I'm going to be careful to not assume it is, right? Because I don't really know, yeah. but. The PFL announced these Europe shows for the playoffs, you know, a, few, a couple months ago. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> well, not really. I mean, it's been like two, three months ago, right? Like, yeah. not that long. Not that long, I guess, if you think about it like this. The the word seems to be that when the PFL told us is when they told their fighters. And mm. if that's the case, if they sort of sprung these European events on their fighters and didn't give them the proper amount of time to secure that kind of work visa, then, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's Bush League stuff again. Yeah, yeah. I want to root so hard for the PFL. I love watching their cards. I love just the uniqueness of it. I love that it feels different than what I get with the UFC. But then they just, there's always these things that kind of keep happening that just, that tell me that they can, they are not, they're, I don't know, that they're, 
like Challenger series okay. I'm not I'm I know I gave a lot of shit about that, but it is what it is. Like it's they had a deal with uh Fubo, so mm-hmm. that was the show they put on there whatever. It just sometimes the PFL has these things that pop up that just make you go where are they, what are these guys doing? You mm-hmm. know, the the whole the whole betting odd fiasco. Yeah. I mean, what like who's running this ship? Who is steering the ship here? Because it feels like sometimes there's a lot of lack of organization in this company, mm-hmm. which is a real shame because I, I think they have so many good things going for them. I the potential's of, there. I think a lot of their leadership, you know, the CEO, chairman, and all that, like they all seem really invested and yep. and really trying to make this thing work. But there's something failing on here. Like there's something that's not connecting from what we get in the octagon up to the very top, you know? Yeah. Then you add that thing – uh, last week's card where th- they had the delay a fight from starting because they had to get an ambulance oh, yeah. on site, which yeah. I guess is a commission problem. So mm-hmm. I guess that's not a PFL problem, but still it was just so weird, you know, that that happened. Um, I just wanted to put that out there because if I'm Dennis Goldsov or Magomed Yumalatov, especially Dennis Goldsov, because he was the number one seed. Yeah. Dominated this season. Yeah doesn't even get a chance to earn that million dollars now. If I'm him, I am livid, especially if what the situation is, what I have been told, that the PFL sort of sprung this on their fighters. Um, just not a good look, if that's the case. Yeah, it really is a shame. And, the, you know, the replacements got announced on Thursday. I mean, yeah. then they had the fight on Saturday morning, and I know that they were signed up as replacements still, and they came there for a reason, but it's just like, Man, what a cluster! Because this mm-hmm. this is a big deal. This was their first ever international event, the PFL, and you have two of your four um, heavy or finalists just in general. Night wasn't both heavyweight, but uh, not be able to fight, man, and their chance at a million dollars and to change their lives gets taken out right from under them. It, it really is a shame. It's unfortunate for Umalatov uh, and Goldsov. I really hope the best. I hope that. You know, they get one of those nice checks that they say that the UFC does to fighters. I mean, give them something, man, because that is just such a shame. And and they can't make up for it. The finals are set. It's not like they can just go, jump back in and fight. You know what I mean? Right. So their season's over. Um, so it, it is, there's always, not always, but a lot of the times there's just some sort of gray storm cloud. Whether it's a big or small, it just kind of depends on the event. But this was big. Um, a big storyline going into the weekend. And it just, I mean, I forbid that something like this were to happen next week as well in England. I mean, that that's when we could, I mean, again, I'm I, obviously I hope it doesn't happen, but if it does, we've really got a problem to discuss yeah. come next week. So yeah. again, hopefully that's not the case. I want a completely unblemished PFL card, please. And even if it's just the four fights that are for the, the playoffs, just please make them unblemished. That's what I hope happens. We shall see. But Noah, performance-wise, what do you think? So I'll just go down the card, and then I'll tell you what kind of stuck out to me. Main event, Delano Taylor stepping up literally on like two days' notice. <laughs> wow, man. Gets the first-round TKO of Rory McDonald. Dropped him twice. Finished him via ground-and-pound TKO. Co-main event, heavyweight side of things, Ante D'Elia. Gets the TKO over Hennon Fajera in the first round. Also, round and pound TKO. Matthias Scheffel gets the third round TKO over Juan Adams. Three minutes, 45 seconds into that round. 
Um, Scheffel pretty much dominated the whole thing. Juan Adams slowed down in run three. Scheffel went in for the kill. Yeah. And then Sadabu Sai, excuse me, defeated Carlos Leal via unanimous decision in what was a dog fight for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, a great fight between those two. And because it's on the main card here, True. we had our first PFL Europe qualifying bout, which I'm so glad they put this on here. Because Nathan Kelly, uh, he really did that thing, Dom. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly am tempted to use to say him as my kind of what stuck Do out it. to me. Just because uh, Nathan Kelly was aggressive. He went in with reckless abandon. But yet, he basically got didn't get touched for 2 minutes, 45 seconds. Yeah. He dominated the fight everywhere it went. And it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. And... Man, I I'm glad I got to watch it because I was like, "Whoa, PFL Europe!" All right, uh, I'm I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as the playoffs go, what kind of stuck out? It's got to be Delano Taylor, right? You know, I mean, I mean, I I don't get me wrong. If any of these other performances stand out to you a little more, or whatever, like that's great. But to beat someone like Rory McDonald, a legend of the sport, guy who's been around a long time competed at a high level for multiple major promotions and you drop him twice on the feet, the place that he is so accustomed to being at and then we're able to finish him via strikes and you did mm. that on two days notice. I mean, what a win for him. Yes. Lana Taylor was actually on the challenger series as well. So it's kind of cool to see, even though I had my complaints about the show, it's really cool to see that there are guys making an impact from that show. Yeah. Carlos Leal also on this card was from the Challenger Series. Actually, I'm pretty sure both these guys didn't get contracts on the show, and yet yeah. here they are in the in the playoffs. So um yeah. I just I think for Delano Taylor, he has set himself up very well here. He's taken on Sadabu Sai in the in the, the finals. Sai is a tough puzzle to figure out sometimes. He's very smart when he when he's in these fights. The way he fought Carlos Leal was very smart. He really looked to avoid the big shots of Leal and really mm-hmm. just tried to slow the fight down as much as he could. But um, I think that'll be I, that should be a very interesting finals bout. Uh, tend to lean Sadabu side, but Donald Taylor, man, he looked good here, and uh, I could see him maybe shocking the world coming in here, uh, late replacement, and all of a sudden he wins the whole fucking thing yeah you want to talk about storylines man it doesn't get better than that and i gotta just give a shout out to ante delia because now he's back he's back in the finals for the Mm -hmm. second straight year we saw the fight that he had with bruno capeloza in last year's finals Mm -hmm. one of the most surprising fights for us at the joeys in 2021 it was just unbelievable because delia had been finished prior by capeloza last year but now he's on a tear he finishes hen and fajera made a statement in round one and that chance at a million dollars is one win away. No, it's got to be quite a story for him as well to bounce back after losing last year in such a dog-eat-dog tit-for-tat fight coming in here. Now he's got uh, Matthias Scheffel to take on in the finals. Can he do it, or will he lose again in the finals? That is heavy pressure on the shoulders if I've ever seen it right there. Yeah, Matthias Scheffel, the man who upset Bruno Capaloza this yep. season, don't forget. And yep. he looked fantastic against Juan Adams. I know Juan Adams short notice, but still, Shuffle looks to be putting it together right now. Mm-hmm. I'm also loving that Dominic's used twice on this episode, dog-eat-dog, <laughs> tit-for-tat fight. 
Yes. I, I've not ever heard the doggy dog type fight before. I like it. I don't know uh, what happened. <laughs> I do want to kind of just say for Carlos Leal, I put it on our our below average Joe's Twitter, but um, he I I can't think of too many guys who had a better like rookie year in in any promotion. Like, will he be on newcomer of the year? Probably not. Um, but. This guy started on the Challenger Series, wins his fight, doesn't get the contract, is then given a fight to start the season with Ray Cooper III, last season's championship winner. He dominates Ray Cooper III. Yep. Then the PFL says, well, he's not getting a second fight because he's technically not even in the season. He was a, I think he was a late replacement for the yep. Cooper fight. Yeah. Luckily, and unlucky for the person who it happened to, but luckily for him, someone falls out. He gets to step in, gets another win, guarantees his shot at the playoffs. Actually, he didn't get another win. Didn't uh, his fighter like? I think got a. The fight like never happened, and then he just got. They they awarded him points. Like it was almost like a like a forfeit almost. Yeah, yeah. But either way, he gets his shot in the playoffs. And then here nearly upset Sadabu Sai, made it very close. It was a very good fight. Um, just a great rookie year for him. He's fought a lot this year. Yeah. I hope yeah. he I kinda hope he just takes the rest of the year to just chill out. I'm assuming he will because he's probably still under contract with the PFL. Yeah. And uh get ready for next season because I think he'll be a real threat next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moving on. Speaking of PFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Cold War, Dominic. Oh, it boy. has begun. PFL chairman Don Davis put on his Twitter. Actually, I have the tweets for all of this. Because what we're talking about here is that there's been a lot of exchanges going on on Twitter now between Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. Now, I only have up to, like, well, just the initial back and forth. Mm-hmm. So if there's been some more tweets in the last couple of days... I don't have them. I haven't seen them. But Don Davis, PFL chairman, he puts on his Twitter, fans want to fight. Fighters want to fight. I have watched and listened. At PFL MMA will provide all money and handle all matters. At Kayla Harrison versus at Chris Cyborg. One million each fighter plus two million winner bonus. Pay-per-view super fight. No more talk. Decide the best inside the cage. Hashtag Kayla Cyborg. So that's a statement right there from the chairman himself. Yes. But what were the responses like, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because both women have responded. And obviously by the the name of the headline, you could tell that it went very well. And everybody's going to shake hands and have a good, clean fight. Yep. So Chris Cyborg, not having it with this. Yeah. You know, this was a. I thought when I read the tweet, I was like, "Ooh," kind of gave me a little tingle. Like you don't see people, you know, in in these MMA promotions, you don't see them pleading on Twitter for these fights to happen. You know, yeah, yeah. But Chris Cyborg puts a laughing emoji, says she gets an equal fight purse based on what Be- being your champion, beating a fighter who's twelve and thirteen, all the pay per views she sold. Mm. Getting a little feisty. 
But Kayla Harrison, what does she have to say about this? Mm-hmm. Kayla doesn't respond directly. Just does a little subtweet. That was something I used to Those like were the days. Day. I yeah. used to subtweet big time. <laughs> and she just says, oh, the irony. With three of those faces where it's like got the drip of sweat going mm-hmm. down. Um, I think she's hinting at that Chris Cyborg has beaten a lot of cans in her career. I think was the I think that's what the irony part is. So then Chris Cyborg's like, no, I'm not subtweeting. I'm responding directly. Says, what irony? Your own manager said you can't sell a pay-per-view. If that isn't a red flag. Mm. Not sure where that statement's at. I'd actually, I, I have not heard that. But Yeah, keep in mind Kayla's manager is Ali, by the way. Yeah. Um, Kayla then responds and says, then come take the money and find out. Winner can take all. Yeah. Since the second response. On second thought, you can have my purse if you win. Keep yours when you lose because you're going to need it. Yes. And then Crest Cyborg blocked Kayla on Twitter. Well, and Kayla continues with one more. And I'll agree to full USADA drug testing and you can juice <laughs> yeah. to the gills. Yeah. The only thing I ask for is elbows on the ground to be legal. Yeah. And then Chris then Cyborg the- responded with three laughing faces, and it was a baby typing on a computer. Have a gif of that. And then, uh, yeah, she blocked her. So, yeah. That's a lot right there, right, Dom? That, <laughs> that, that like, is. <laughs> as the world turns, the the the, um, the first fire has been exchanged on the battlefield. Yep. What's this make you think, Dom? Does this make you think? Did we get any closer to this fight becoming a reality, or is this really just either just some? Is it is is this all just kind of a facade? Like, is it is it all for fight promotion, or is it? more like a an actual annoyance on behalf of like Chris Cyborg and Kayla Harrison and they're just kind of exchanging barbs but neither really going is this fight really not that close to happening yeah i'd say it's definitely not close to happening i mean i mean the uh sound bite that Kayla had with Ariel this past week saying that she thinks a fight with her and Amanda is still more possible to happen and sooner than her versus Cyborg very much surprised me so even after all this banter back and forth on Twitter Maybe we just aren't that close, but it seems that the PFL side of things at, you know, what we're presented with is all there and ready to do this. So they are, in a sense, making it look bad on Chris Cyborg's part. So and not, not that she kind of gave herself much positivity with those responses that she had. because She didn't necessarily say that she wanted to make the fight happen or anything like that. So. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I have to say I'm not much for drama, but I do like this because I really do want a fight like this to happen more so just to have Kayla get a chance to really prove herself against the elite of the elite, but still just the pro- the cross promotion type factor of PFL and obviously Cyborg still with Bellator and the, the whole pay-per-view division that the PFL wants to start in 2023. Like this could be a great kind of kickoff thing for the PFL with their experimentation of that process going into next year. So right now though, if you had to really ask me, do I think this fight will happen in 2023? I'd probably say no right now, even after all that. I don't know. I hate that. I would say that, Mm -hmm. but that's how I feel. I'm going to be the optimistic one here. I'm going to say it gets done. 
Why? How the turntables? I love. It. <laughs> I know. I just, what, what is going on here? Is this opposite day? Yeah. Um, this is a bit of wishful thinking. I just I, I'm rooting for PFL so hard that yeah. And I, I I'm a little skeptical about their pay per view division that they're wanting to start, but I believe if they're really wanting to make that a big deal, then this is the fight you go get happen. I mean, this yeah. is the biggest fight you can make. Yes. It's probably the only fight you can make with a fighter on your roster that and without i guess signing like a nate diaz or something that can do a pretty a decent buy rate on pay-per-view yeah. Yeah. decent not by ufc standards but just like something that the pfl can hang their hat on and say like, right our first pay-per-view was a decent number right so i like what i'm seeing you know it's it's all it's all good for the fight promotion right you know, mm-hmm. I think Don Davis knew what he was doing here. Mm-hmm. He's atting him. He's mm-hmm. he's saying, you know, is this this isn't a real offer here? But I I do think the PFL is really trying. You know, this all kind of came out when um, Chris Cyborg had announced her boxing debut coming in yeah. December, I think. So it it all like I think now the PFL's maybe feeling a little pressure to like to really try to get lock her down for next year since she may be boxing she may be fighting in bellator it's it's yeah. all unclear um bellator has shown a willingness to co-promote in the past mm-hmm. yet i th- there seems to be some sort of seems the pfl and bellator aren't like on great terms you know because yeah. of all this going on i don't know so time will tell but damn it i believe in the pfl and i want to see him get it done I just can't wait till it's on Fubo TV pay per view or something, and that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on to the fight announcements, Dom. Uh huh. Madison Square Garden, November twelfth, adds pretty big fight between Aaron Blanchfield and Molly McCann, two of the brightest in this very bright back half and even unranked portion of women's flyweight. Molly Meatball. In yes. Madison Square Garden, home of Barstool Sports. Yeah, what's the reaction going to be like? You got to think she's going to light that place on fire, man. She's really becoming. Well, she's always been a fan favorite, but now she's really getting more into the casual eyes. Dare I say? Not that she's like a Connor, guys. I get it, but she's becoming a big deal, and they're putting her in Madison Square Garden for a reason. And they're seeing what the response that she's been getting back-to-back fights in London. Now you're bringing her across the pond, putting her in the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, against a very tough opponent in Aaron Blanchfield, an absolute beast, a young stud, only 23, 24 years old. Uh, Very different fight styles as well. Molly likes to bring it. Aaron's tough, but is a phenomenal grappler, capable on the feet. That's just a, a, a great fight for, again, that future portion of the division. Well, yes, Molly's been there a few years now, but she's finally coming into it. She's number 15 and ranked for the first time. So it is a big deal because it is kind of just a more of a peel back on all of those future contenders that are going to be there these next few years at 125 pounds. Let's see what happens now. What do you think? I know you like that she's in Madison Square Garden. I do. I wish we could get Patty Piblet there, but I understand yeah. the tax situation, right? That's that's what's holding him back, it appears. So, um, it's a big fight for the card. I think it's an uphill battle for Molly McCann. I think mm-hmm. Aaron Blanchfield, it may be the brightest of yeah. all these bright young fighters at women's flyweight. 
Um, but it's a big platform for Aaron Blanchfield to be yeah. on. Yeah. She's from New York, if I'm not mistaken. She's so, a Jersey girl, yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So this is going to be probably make it even feel bigger than it already is when you yep. actually watch it in that arena. Um, I don't see it not being electric atmosphere, really. It's going to yeah. be great. I agree. Next one. Mm. Derek Brunson versus Jack Hermanson is apparently in the works right now for December 3rd, that UFC fight night. Unconfirmed if it will be a main event or not. And let me just say, that's where my initial reaction to this fight went, Don, because it's a solid fight. Derek Brunson, he's coming off a pretty tough knockout loss to Jared Cannonier. But before that, was a fight in that fight, if he had won, would have been in a title fight. Yep. So he has looked really good, had a career resurgence, career renaissance, whatever you want to call it, over the last year. While Jack Hermanson is coming off a really good win over Chris Curtis, but has also kind of been a win one, lose one guy over the last couple of years. So I thought it's an okay fight. I'm not sure if Jack should be getting a top five opponent, but you know, Derek Brunson only had he said he only has a couple fights left in his career. So yeah. okay. But then I'm kind of concerned this is going to be named the main event of the card. And these are the kind of fights that should not be main events of UFC Fight Nights. Agreed? Yep, I agree. It's it's one of those that we've kind of seen all we need to see of both of them. So while it is important, it doesn't need to be the main event. Give that platform to a fight with more storylines, more implications. Uh, but the three fights that are on that December 3rd card are all very good right now. So that's exciting. Is Jack Hermanson, he's from Sweden, right? Yeah. So and like UFC, Denmark, he was born in one, fights out of the other, you know. Yeah. yeah. So the UFC are planning to go to Stockholm, Sweden is the, the rumor out there. Mm. And if so, then this is probably the main, that's probably going to be December 3rd, and this will probably be the main event for that Stockholm, Sweden card. Yeah. Can't fault them for that when Jack Hermanson is probably the biggest name there because uh, yeah. Gustafsson's fallen off, right? He's from Sweden too, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. I just, this isn't the kind of main event that gets me excited. Hopefully they, like you said, I don't know what the other two fights are for that, but hopefully they, they stack it pretty well. Mm-hmm. What were the other two fights? Well, one was the Amanda Hebos fight with Tracy Cortez, and then mm-hmm. what was the second one? We just talked about it on Monday or last week, but it was another ranked fighter fight. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I I hope that they do put a lot of good fights on there if this is really going to be the main event. you know. Yeah, yeah. Last one. We have a title fight announced, folks. UFC 282, our last pay-per-view of the year, December 10th, the week after that potential Stockholm, Sweden card. The UFC light heavyweight title will be on the line as they run it back, this time with Yuri Prohaska as your champion. He takes on Glover Teixeira. They're doing it again. That first fight is right now fight of the year. Dominic, is there any chance that they take their own award from them and make this fight even better than the first one. See, no, that's where we got to, we got to pump them brakes. We know we've learned we, when there's a fight that amazing, you have to pull back the expectations because fights like that are so special and can never be replicated, at least by the same two fighters. So I actually think someone, Something's got to give in this one. Yes, there was a finish in the fifth round of the first fight, but I just feel like someone's going to come in here and get absolutely slaughtered by the other guy. I don't know why, but I think that's what's going to happen. That's a great uh, main event, number two, verbally agreed upon. Let's get it going. I want to see a great rest of the card. Usually, 
or not usually, but sometimes the UFC will do two pay-per-views in December, but they already did that in July, so we'll see what happens. But if not, that could be the last pay-per-view of the year, and you don't have a better main event than that right now. I love it. Yeah, that, it's a great main event. It's a fight that we knew was coming, at least we assumed. You know, Yeah, maybe Blahovich gets in there, but we kind of thought this would be the fight. Yeah. Glad it's getting done before the end of the year. It would have been nice to see Glover in uh, Rio in yeah. January, but Yuri, understandably, like I'm the champion. Right. I ain't going there. So yeah. um, that would be great stuff. Let's get on into the rest. Bellator 284 once again. Alimalay McFarlane gets back on track with a unanimous decision win over Bruna Ellen, but oh, Dom, she couldn't just do it cleanly, could she? Mm. She missed weight. By, I believe, three pounds with yeah. that one-pound allowance at, at her division. Weighted at 129 pounds. So is it what, – what, what's – I mean, really, what's what, what can you say here? Like, it's it, – she gets a win, but is she really back, you know? Yeah, and that's a great question because the post-fight interview of her, she just seems – like she's had to battle a lot of doubt on if she wants to continue fighting. She feels she said like the past few fights that she's had, she's felt that way, and you know that that's a dangerous mindset to have for fighters. As Dana White always says, if you ever have contemplated retirement in your mind, you probably should retire because you're just not going to perform up to par if you keep going out there. And you know, Alimale had lost two in a row uh, going into this fight. This wasn't a pretty performance. She did grind it out. She got the unanimous decision. She fought from adversity. She was in a guillotine for 17 minutes. It was the longest guillotine choke I've ever seen. Um, but she got the win, and that's what matters. But she even kind of said after this one, you know, it was the first time I ever made w- or missed weight in my career. It just mentally, I don't know if she's 100% still there. She said that she wants to keep fighting, and she's got one more in her, and she just has had this constant battle with herself. So even with this win, that type of mindset's just not – a good look for me and what she can do in this division. So I don't know if a title fight or even her, well, I'll put it this way. I don't know if she'll ever wear that title again. And I don't even think she'll ever fight for the title again. So uh, it, it is a bit dull, but she got the win. So that's, I cool. don't think, I don't think she has many left. I think yeah. that's my, that's becoming more and more clear to me, but she is a big name for Bellator. So they do like to trot her out and, put her on a main card and they'll give her some of these opponents that she should be, you know, that's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, as long as they're not trying to like prop her up for some sort of last hurrah title fight, you know, yeah, fine with it. Right. Um, Next up, Aaron Jeffrey Mm. making his Bellator debut as the guy that's been on the contender series twice. He's fought in LFA, uh, but you know, he's been in some high level stuff has beaten some good opponents like Andre Petrosky, who's undefeated in the UFC right now. Um, both of his contender series losses are to pretty established guys in the UFC at this point. Yep. And he goes in here and TKOs Austin Vanderford. I almost said Van's hand <laughs> on accident. Austin Vanderford, a minute, 25 seconds around one. Dominic, that's the same exact time it took Gegard Mousasi oh. to also TKO wow. Austin Vanderford. So yeah. this is tough for Austin. This is a really tough. I mean, I guess maybe we should focus on Aaron first. Aaron. What a win to come into. You get a guy who's coming off of a title fight and you're able to knock him out in just over a minute. I mean, what a splash for your debut. 
you're considered an unranked fighter taking on the number one, the technically number one or two guy in the division. Yeah. And with that, you're likely going to be a top five guy now, I would assume. I hope. They better not put Vanderford in front of you yeah. on Tuesday or whenever they release their rankings. But um, great win for him. Should have seen it coming, as we'll get into the bet slip later, because I do think Aaron Jeffrey had a lot to – I feel like he did – have the signs of being a guy who could be very successful here in Bellator. And, oh, yeah. Um, for Austin Vanderford, this is brutal. That's I mean, tough. just brutal. Yeah. You know, the gay guard one, the, you, you sort of had this excuse where he wasn't trying to make excuses, but he did say, I believe his shoulder blew out when mm. he got, like, he, he went for a, he tried to go for a takedown. And I think gay guard hit him with something, but. It blew his shoulder out or something. Um, so he's, that's why when the finishing sequence was in, he kind of just didn't go anywhere, didn't try yeah. to defend himself really. Uh, here, though, he just, I mean, he flat out just looked like a much worse fighter than Aaron Jeffrey. That's just everything Aaron Jeffrey hit him with, it landed clean, it hurt him, and he didn't take him long to get the finish. And I think he dropped him twice here. Yep. Major setback for Austin Vanderford. Big time, yes. And and Jeffrey deserves a big fight next. Yeah. I mean he's he should he could get a title fight off of this. Yeah, if, if you really yeah. wanna yeah. but more than likely, yeah, get him a one more fight and see if he can take on the guy another guy who you think could maybe fight for a title and then if he mm-hmm. wins, give him a t- title shot. Yep, yep. Now let's move on back to the UFC San Diego, where Nate Landweir Wow. And David Onama. Wow. Had one of the fights of the year. Yeah. Dominic, this this was your guy, David Onama. Yeah. And him and Nate Landwehr put on a fight. <laughs> you don't get many fights like this. And mm-hmm. Dominic, he predicted before the car that this would be the fight of the night. And I said, I don't think it's going to last long enough to do <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And then they, they just wouldn't go down. They just they... wouldn't stay down. Yeah. David Onama had an amazing first round where he absolutely – looked like he was going in for the kill against yeah. Nate Landwehr. I believe he dropped him, Yeah, um, was hammering him with a lot of ground and pound, hurting him with a lot of shots on the feet. Unfortunately, what I told Dom at the end of that first round, they said, I'm afraid David O'Neill might have punched himself out because he really went for the kill. Yeah. Just a just a sign of some immaturity in, in your fight career, I think, there. Like a, a young guy looking to get a highlight reel finish. Yep. Not staying composed when that, that, that happens, when chaos ensues. And he paid for it because round two, Oof. he looked gassed. And it, back comes Nate Landwehr. Yep. And um, that was the 10-8 round, I believe, where yep. uh, Nate Landwehr just... It looked like he had a finish at multiple points. There was three or four submission attempts that David was able to get out of, like just a chaos round. Round three, every time Nate Landweir took a fight to the ground, had it in a clinch or whatever, he would back off. He would pose for the fans, yep. say, you know, shower me with some praise, and mm-hmm. then nearly get hit with a right hand from Onama when he's not paying yeah. attention. It was just, this was everything I love about this sport sometimes. Just an amazing fight. An absolute sloppy brawl, but yeah. damn it, these guys showed a lot of heart. Showed that they had a lot of that dog in them. That's damn right. And both guys come out of here looking like absolute studs. Because even Onama, who was absolutely gassed for the last two rounds of this fight, and round three, hands down, 
and he gives him like a come on yeah come on you think you can kill me do it yeah yeah i yeah i ain't hear no bell you know that that's what it was like man i mean it was uh it was crazy i i you said everything so i can't even put any more on it except that's what we love about this sport <laughs> next one priscilla cashwara and ariani lipsky had a bit of a swing and bang mm-hmm. type fight and cashwara aka zombie girl not too many people going to outswing and bang her. She gets it done a minute, five seconds in. Was this a bit of a low IQ move for Ariane Lipsky to get into this kind of firefight, you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lipsky loves being in wars, the queen of violence in her own right. Great battle of the nicknames, but Cachoeira, that's every fight that she's in, I feel like, is that way. She's just swinging and she's willing to eat shot, but she's going to give them to you as well. But man, I mean, she really went for it and she needed a win like this. I mean, you, you know, she was kind of handed that one split decision win that hurt you bet slip wise. And, you know, it, it was just this was a statement, a finish win over a very good opponent in Ariane Lipsky. I talked about uh, not this week, but last week when it was supposed to happen, I think is when I talked about it more that I believe that she still had a relatively high ceiling to be like a top 15, top 10 in that division. But man. Priscilla Cashware just poured it on her, didn't even give her a chance to breathe, um, wilted her under that pressure, got a decisive finish. Big win for someone that has been kind of riddled with controversy, let alone, yeah, that she got handed that one a little bit, that decision win, but she's had the eye poke situation down on the ground. Eye um, gouge. Eye gouge, yes, better word, eye gouge. Um, but this Remember one, when she made her, I think it was her debut or whatever, against Valentina Shevchenko? That's the yes. fight where Mario Yamasaki got... Yeah, uh, fired essentially. Yeah, so it's it's not been the prettiest of careers, but that win will kind of right the ship for you. You know, she looked great here. I mean, yeah. but, but that's because Ariane Lipsky just stood in front of her and was trading yeah. blows. Yeah, I don't know what she was doing here. Not Ariane Lipsky's game at all, and it's just another fight for Lipsky, who at times has looked phenomenal. The, yeah. the knee bar, you know, yeah. that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. But she just has a lot of these low IQ type moments, you know, with Antonina Shevchenko, she got dominated on the ground by her. And I was yeah. like, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. So tough loss to take here for Lipsky. A mm-hmm. uh, good win for Cashwara. Not much else to take away from it. Really. On to the next Gerald Mirchar GM three himself and Bruno Silva. We thought there was a stark contrast here in the styles. GM three going to take this fight to the ground, go for the submissions Bruno Silva going to look to piece him up on the feet and knock him out. GM3 said, actually, I got some hands too. Yeah. This ended up being mostly fought on the feet. GM3, Dominic, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but outstruck Bruno Silva. Yeah, it was quite the performance. I mean, knocked him down with a calf kick, knocked him down to get the finish in the third round, but of course he couldn't get the TKO. He had to lock in that submission and keep padding that record that he's got for middleweight uh, submission victories. But man, when this guy's an underdog, you can't fade this guy. You got to take the dog money. He was plus 230 and gets another win. He had three wins in 2021, an underdog in every single one of them. But this fight was never really down like those other three last year. He was kind of led the dance against Bruno Silva, who again, on paper, is the better striker. It, It was a Bit of a weird performance from Bruno, if I'm being honest. This is a guy that went three rounds with Alex Pajera, and yes, he did lose, but had a couple good moments, but then gets outstruck by GM3. 
MMA math really just does not work, does it? Did, did he look a bit? Did he? Did he look a bit like deflated, like or um, just almost like he was? What's the word? Like drowsy, almost coming in, like yeah. low energy, weird vibes. Yeah, just didn't seem to be all that into this fight, and it's kind of crazy because this fight was excellent on paper. And yeah, yeah. It's just crazy that GM three really didn't even the the submission that ended it was started by dropping him on the feet and. Yeah. Everything before that was him outstriking Bruno Silva. Just I couldn't believe what I was watching there. I really couldn't. Yeah, crazy world. Uh, next up, Angela Hill. For the first time as a betting underdog. Damn it. Gets a win <laughs> over Lupe Godinez via unanimous decision. That's right. She is now 1-8 as a betting underdog. I'm sorry, Dom, to keep hammering that point. Sorry. And also for Angela Hill to snaps, what, a four-fight losing streak? Yeah. Multiple split decisions on there i thought yeah. this fight was going to be a split decision <laughs> yeah but luckily all three judges in agreeance uh angela hill gets to win dominic this was a tough night for your prospects you know you you, mm-hmm. have, you have said david onama your favorite male prospect loopy godinez your favorite female prospect what went wrong for loopy here you know what what did she do well but ultimately what gave angela hill this victory uh, I mean, I'm going to answer the last question first. Angela Hill's pressure forward. She had Loopy on the back foot the whole fight, and that's why um, that really gave her the advantage. She had the octagon control, had more room to work with. Loopy had to fight with her back against the fence. It's hard to win fights that way, man. So that's just kind of, again, newer to the game, of course, newer to the UFC. And she's fighting a super experienced veteran in Angela Hill. So the the positive for Angela Hill is the negative for Loopy Godina. She just never was able to really pressure forward herself uh, she didn't look to wrestle as much as i thought which was a bit surprising because she's a powerhouse on the ground granted she tried like maybe one or two times that angela was able to stuff them but you think after getting pieced up a little bit on the feet not that she was getting outclassed maybe just try a few more times because you got to feel if she gets angela down there she's so strong that she could hold top position um and one more takeaway too this fight was a catch weight of 120 pounds um, because the UFC just randomly wanted to put this on the San Diego card. It was supposed to happen like a month away. And all three of Loopy's losses in the UFC have been out of the 115-pound division. She took this as a catchweight at 120. Then she had those two short notice at 125 that she had a close fights in but lost. She is a natural 115-er. So even as much as five pounds up, she is already at a detriment, even with someone like Angela Hill, just the bigger fighter. So... Again, it kind of my point that I talked about on Thursday. When she's on at 115 with a full camp for that weight class, she's a threat. If she's out of that or like she ever wants to indulge in flyweight in the future, it just isn't quite for her. She doesn't have that build. She's going to be so undersized. Those are my takeaways, Noah. I'm a little surprised about your takeaway there at the end about the. I understand what you're saying. All three losses outside of that 115 pound uh, division. But, I mean, here, this didn't really feel like that was much of an excuse. Like, I feel like Angela Hill is not – is she bigger than Loopy? I thought she looked pretty significantly bigger last I night. I thought Loopy but... looked like the more stronger, more stout like, Loopy's fighter. thick, yeah, but – Did you just call her thick with, like, two Cs? You, not <laughs> – I meant thick I, as in strong. Sorry. I look, Dominic's, I, uh, Dominic's cheeks are about to get red. Yeah. Yeah. Is, or should we talk about who, what fighter we should go bowling with again? Or what? <clears throat> Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Angela Hill, probably taller, longer fighter. But yeah. um, 
I thought Loopy had those some certain physical advantages that she just didn't capitalize on, right? Like, yeah. you were talking about the grappling, you know, the the only person who went from a takedown in this fight was Angela Hill. Yeah. Just weird. It's it's a learning experience. I have no doubt Loopy will learn a lot from it, but I also think she's learned to be more selective with the fights she takes. Yeah. Yes. She just seems to really like fighting a lot. Yep. She's willing to take anybody, which is great, you know, good, but then now she's stringing three. Exactly. And her skill set doesn't say a three and three fighter. So it is to her detriment. It is. Yeah. Uh, Next up and last, but certainly not least Tyson. Is it, is it Nam or Nam? I always say Nam like, like Vietnam. I think it's, I've always thought Nam. Nam. I've been hearing a lot of Nam. So Tyson Nam majority, the type he's a been a heavy decision fighter in his flyweight career. And he comes in here against the electric and um, explosive Ode Osborne, who's been gaining a, quite a following as of late. Ode Osborne goes for a flying knee. And you know what they say, folks. What goes up must come down. Yeah. The moment he came down, he came right into a nasty, nasty. He was an uppercut, right? From yeah, place? out of nowhere, man. And just knocked him out cold yeah what a win for tyson nam he gets it done two minutes 59 seconds around one almost three minutes in basically a guy who's been around a long time he's had to really battle through a lot of adversity a lot of losses a lot of wins in his ufc career going up against a guy who a lot of people like who's building some momentum and you knock him out in the first round i mean welcome back tyson nam right yeah, he's like 37 or 38 yeah. and hadn't fought since j- that fight that I talk about sometimes with him and Matt Schnell, January yeah. of 2021. And yeah. he comes out and <laughs> knocks out Ode Osborne, who's on a tear right now. That was a uh, guy. I mean, sometimes you just have to pay when you go for the, the big risk, and that's what happened with Osborne. But shout out to Tyson Nam because he was able to time that shot perfectly, and it paid off. Yeah, Let's move on to the below-average bed slip, Dom. And I want to take this moment while Dom pulls it up. To remind everyone where they can follow us on social media in order to get our picks before the fights. Yes. If you follow our Below Average Joe's Twitter and it, or Instagram, it is at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can also follow Dominic on Twitter and Instagram at DSLEE14. You can follow myself on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. But yes, if you want those picks before the fights, We post them on Fridays on the Below Average Joe's Twitter and Instagram. So make sure to go give us a follow there if you want these in advance. And let's get into it, Dom. So pretty much just a break-even week. You know, we went slightly positive. Um, Singles were great. Yep. Parlays (laughs) were not. Yep. And you know why, Dom? It's because this was a heavy underdog week. It was. Underdogs were winning left and right. And, you know, when you do these parlays, you're typically taking a lot of favorites, a lot of yeah. that, mi- that heavy minus money. So on a card where underdogs just have that kind of advantage where they're winning a lot of these fights, a lot of parlays are going to fail. So Ode Osborne on here a couple times. Um, Lupe Godinez. And, well, those Godinez and Onama. The Dom prospect parlay yeah. is a tough week. That was tough. But then, you know, like my three-leg parlay, I tried to do – I've been trying to show some love to our other promotions. I'm like, you know what, three cards in a week. I'm going to do a fight off each, someone who I think can be a real mm-hmm. 
you know, who I really think is going to win on every card. And I should have went 0 for 3 on that one. You should have. Yeah. Austin Vanderford got smoked. Chris Mixon was gifted a split decision, a very generous one. And O'Day Osborne got knocked the fuck out. I mean, it was just, that parlay was just dead on arrival. Yeah. But um, as far as anything that hit that kind of stuck out to me, man, I I felt I felt like the the easiest bet for me to make, the two easiest bets for me to make on this week, was Marlon Bear around four or five or decision, and then that Wit Quinlan under two and a half rounds. I, yeah, I I felt pretty good about both those, and the odds for that Marlon Barra one, I thought were just great. I mean, mm. obviously, he gets the knockout in round four, so it's not like I, I had it with a lot of time, a lot of time uh, in my at my back at that point. But um, I just feel like both guys. He's a slow starter. He should win this fight with Dominic Cruz. But Dominic Cruz is a very slick and tough puzzle to figure out. I figured we'd get to the championship rounds. Yeah. I thought it was going to go to a decision, but I knew Vera had the power to potentially put away Cruz and. That obviously turned out to be a pretty smart investment there. So plus 100 on that, I thought was a pretty safe bet to make. Dominic, what stuck out to you this week? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I'm going to say is what actually was an X for both of us, and it is the land we are in Nama fight because we got a fight of the year contender, but to the bet slips detriment because had that under two and a half hit, we also hit, we go six and oh, we would have on single plays had that hit at minus 175 and... Noah's 1.19 unit parlay would have hit. That would have been a drastic little switch in even more plus units for the week. So I hate being a Debbie Downer and bringing that up, but that was just kind of like, that was where the biggest turn happened for the bet slip. You know, when we were watching it together and that fight went the distance, we're like, damn, you know, that's tough. That's two units down on, or 2.19 units down on that play. But had it hit, it really swings the tide. But we came out in the positive. That's all that matters. We've had three or four straight winning weeks it's just a matter of if, when we can both hit a solid week at the same time and i've said it a few times now but that's when we can really hit a hit a stride get that negative for the year back into the positive we got a lot of fights we got a lot of weeks left in 2022 i don't doubt that it's going to happen it is very surprising to me that we're in august me and dominic have only gone we've only had to compete against each other on bet slip like three times yeah, a or couple four times. times yeah and yet i don't know if i don't know how many times me and dom have both had positive weeks but it's been like once or twice yeah and especially like happened. a significant margin number well not even, i don't think it's ever been significant i yeah. think it's always been like you hitting big and me barely breaking even yeah. kind of hits and vice like, versa we've yet to both just be hitting like like my i think my best week was like positive nearly six right mm-hmm. yeah. we've yet to both be hitting at that level on the same right. week because once it happens it it's completely big. switches the dynamic of this year all of a sudden the year looks a lot more positive right exactly so uh but overall i i can't really complain about what we have on here i mean no. we're taking good singles yeah. Really, the singles are, you know, where a lot of the minus money and stuff, and or I should say where you get some of your plus money, but also some of your smaller minus money, more your even odds type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those parlays, you know, heavy underdog card, that's, that's what's going to happen sometimes. So let's move on to what we end the show with. Now, we don't end the show like any other normal podcast. 
We end it with closing statements, the point of the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, you have used this platform recently to spread your rhetoric, which is uh, that of a serial killer. But I'm curious if you have any other food debates for us on this edition of the closing statements, or do you have something else for today? (laughs) Today... I think I'm just taking it easy. I'm trying to recover from the weekend. A lot happened. A lot of greatness happened. But uh, there will be more yes or no's between Noah and I. Don't you get it twisted. That's my whole new kind of agenda for these closing statements. Team Bagel Bite all the way. Love you guys that picked it. Pizza roll people, I respect you. You just don't have the quite uh, as good a food taste. That's all it is. so So you love everybody who picked it, a.k.a. Branson. He was the only one that I've heard who picked bagel bites. B for B, Branson for bagel. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so my closing statement. I'm going to give a hot take right here before we before we sign off. Ooh. Um, and I think I'm just saying what people are afraid to say. Oh. For when it comes to the holidays, and this actually involves my inner dilemma for your grad party. Okay. So my whole plan. For Dominic's grad party was I was going to leave around right before the UFC card started I had family supposed to visit and stuff so I um, was going to hang out with them leave and go to the party when I left I needed to stop somewhere and get a card and like a gift card right that's Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking yeah. Those are always easy gifts to give, right? You know, a yeah. little gift card or whatever. And because one of our friends was not going to be there really at that time, I needed to leave a little early in order to see him before he left for a concert. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, shit, I can't stop and get a card or anything, so I'm just going to send him, you know, a few dollars on Venmo. And I'm sitting there driving, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, Gift cards really are the biggest scam gift of all time. (laughs) The biggest scam gift. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say this, anybody who's ever gifted me a a gift card, I much appreciate it. Yeah. Especially if it's a place I like to go to. You know, why not, right? Right. But when you really think about it, why not just give them the money? And it's because as a society... Uh Uh-oh. We have allowed ourselves to think that gifting people money is bad. Mm. That there's, there's, there is some sort of negative connotation to gifting someone money. And yeah. I do not understand it. Because I can tell you, as someone who has received a lot of gifts in my life, the best ones are always money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can spend it on whatever you want. Yeah. The gifts that suck are the ones you can't take back. <laughs> Right. I mean, at the end of the day, what are gift cards? It's money to a specific place, right? Well, I mean, it, it okay. is money. Uh, I think you're going against my point there, but it's a scam. Oh, I thought I was agreeing. Okay. <clears throat> gift cards are a scam, Dom. Yeah. Because why give someone a $20 gift card to Cheesecake Factory when you can just give them $20 and then they can go to Cheesecake Factory or B-Dubs or yeah. Yeah. wherever? Yeah. So stop buying gift cards. Start gifting cash today. Let's change the tide on this passe argument. 
We have to start the trend. Here we go. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes. We'll see you guys on Thursday.